Okay, so tonight, Be'ezra Sashem, we're going to be continuing with Rabbi Nachman's story of the seven beggars. And having completed, well not completed, but having cursorily gone over the two introductory narrative framings that Rabbi Nachman opens the story with, we're now ready to be introduced, or reintroduced rather, to the first beggar. To summarize, there was a catastrophe, there was something that took place, something that we're not aware of, a nondescript event that sent the world hurling into chaos. And it drives an entire civilization, an entire population into the forest, running away from something they're afraid of. And in their bahala, in their confusion, in the overwhelmingness of it all, there are two young children who are lost, a young boy and a young girl, a young aspect of femininity and a young aspect of masculinity. And in their horror, in their screaming, in their bewilderment, they scream out, about food, about sustenance, about how they're going to live, how they're going to continue. And they meet in the night, in the heart of darkness of the forest, they encounter seven enigmatic beggars, vagabonds, homeless individuals, destitute and impoverished creatures. The first beggar was blind. The second beggar was deaf. The third beggar was stuttering. The fourth beggar had a crooked neck. The fifth beggar was hunchbacked. The sixth beggar was handless. And the seventh beggar was legless. And these two young children who were lost get their food. And they continue on and they join together in order to become beggars together. Until finally one day the community of beggars decide that these two young lost children should get married. And it brings a great joy to everybody. But then it happens on them and they recognize that we're beggars. We're lost. We're destitute and we're impoverished. How in the world are we supposed to make a wedding? And so Rabbi Nachman ends the second introduction to the story with the preparation of the wedding. The beggars dig a pit in the mud a hundred feet wide with room for a hundred people. And they cover the pit in the mud with twigs and mud and trash. And everybody goes inside. And the joy within this pit dug into the mud was very, very great. And the chasana takes place and the joyous unification of two opposites takes place. And this is where we pick up. Rabbi Nachman says as follows. Rabbi Nachman continues the story and it says, Now the the bride and the groom started recalling the kindnesses that Hashem Yisbarach had done for them when they were in the forest. And they started crying and greatly yearning. How can it be that the first beggar, the blind one who brought us here, the one who brought us bread in the forest, how can it be that we bring him here? Or in the language of Rabbi Nachman, They began to remember the good deeds that were done. And they started recalling the great kindness that God, may his his name be blessed, 
performed for them when they were lost in the forest. And they were crying, and they were yearning greatly. How can we merit, how can we remember, how can we encounter once again that blind beggar who brought us food in the forest? Immediately. As they were yearning, as they were desiring, as they were longing, towards this blind beggar, Amar, the blind beggar, appeared suddenly and he said, Hineni, here I am. Here I am. Here I am, almost as if to say, I was never really gone. I've been here all along. I came to join you for the wedding. And I'm going to give you a gift that you can yearn for. I'm going to give you a gift for your wedding that you can desire after. That you should be as old as I am. That you should be as old as I am. Because if we remember the first encounter we had in the forest, after the young children begged the blind beggar to stay with them, to protect them in the darkness, to carry them with him, they begged him, they tried to grab hold of him, and the blind beggar said, I don't want this. I don't want you to follow after me. But I'll give you a blessing, the blind beggar said, that you should be as old as I am. And here the blind beggar returns and he says, in the beginning I gave you a blessing that you should be as old as I am. That you should be as old as I am. The achshav, but now, Now I'm not only blessing you with this, but now on the first day of your Sheva Brachos, I am offering my old age to you as a true gift. I'm giving you the ability to live it. You think I'm blind? You think I can't see? You think I'm blind and I can't see anything with my eyes? I am not blind at all. But rather, the entire history of the world and the duration of the world, and the time that it takes for the world to unfold, is not even as meaningful to me as the blink of an eye. The Aniza came Maod, and I am very, very old. The Adayan Ani Yanik Lagamre, 
But nevertheless, I am still absolutely and perpetually young. And I have not even begun to live my life. And even though says the blind beggar, even though I am remarkably and incredibly old, I am not the only person who announces my old age. I have a haskama, an approbation, an agreement on this from the great eagle. The asapar and I'm going to tell you the story of how I received the acknowledgement from the great eagle, from the nesher hagadol, that I am in truth very, very old. Now, before we enter into the story within the story within the story within the story, because remember, the first context is the king who offered the kingship to his son in the lifetime of the king, with the demand that you retain your happiness even though you have every reason in the world to be unhappy. In your descent away from Malchus, may you remain forever present and aware that you must find joy within sadness. As Rabbi Nachman announced to Rabbi Nassim before he began the story, Let me tell you how once upon a time they found joy within bitterness, within sabrachinkait, within darkness, within brokenness. And then the second story within the story is the event, the catastrophe that sends civilization running to the forest, wherein the two lost children encounter the seven enigmatic beggars. And wherein, from within their despondent impoverishment, the destitution that each and every individual feels according to the own understanding of their own heart. It's specifically within that destitution, specifically within that constitutive impoverishment, that the beggars decide to create simcha, to create a chasana deep within the mud, covered in garbage to find joy in a world that appears to be the very opposite of the possibility of joy, to find comfort in a world that appears to be the very opposite of a comforting world, to celebrate life in the places where life seems most diminished, where the flame of life, where the fire, the bren, the light of life seems to be almost extinguished. It's specifically there that the beggars decide, yeah, we're going to make a wedding here. And Daika here, specifically here. Had some Gvir offered the beggars a massive palatial space to create the wedding, they would have said, no, our space is in the mud. Our space is dug deep within the trenches, covered in dust and ashes and broken things. And in the joy of the wedding, they encounter this blind beggar again. And how do they encounter this blind beggar? What brings the blind beggar to them? The language of Rabbi Nachman is, They were crying, and they were mitga'ageya, they were yearning, they were desiring. They wanted so desperately to remember 
to hold on to that which happened in the past, to encounter that beggar who first offered them a taste of hope. Now when these two young children who were lost in the forest, when their hope finally culminates and actualizes into yichud, into a chasana, into a marriage, they're reminded of that moment where they were truly hopeless. They remember the time where they were lost in the Ya'ar, completely confounded and confused by the overgrowth of the trees that block out not only the light of the sun, but even the glimmer and the shadow of the moon. A place of pure darkness. A place of fear and anger and anxiety. In their moment of joy, they remember how impossible it was for them to ever have conceived that they would reach such a moment of joy. And they begin to desire that first messenger, that first beggar, that enigmatic messenger who contained within his broken and torn satchel the promise that don't give up hope, even though you're lost and in the forest, even though you have nothing to eat, even though everything you knew is gone. Nevertheless, here is my bread, and here is my blessing that you should be as old as I am. And at the moment where the young children have grown and they decide that they can find joy and find yichud, the thing that they remember most is that first instantiation, that first inception point, wherein they moved out of hopelessness into hope. Who was that messenger? Who was that voice? What was that thing that taught us ancient yeyush ba'olam klal? Where is the blind beggar who offered us food in the darkness of the forest? We need him here now. We need to testify at this moment of joy in Yichud that way back when we were hopeless. We felt broken. We felt lost. Yet nevertheless, here we are. And as the children were they were desiring and they were yearning for that which was not present. Tekef umiyat, immediately. Now, Tekef umiyat, I was so excited to see this Lashon in Rabbi Nachman, because the Lashon of Tekef umiyat, immediately and now, that double language of immediacy, is not only a desire to have something right now, but it's a desire to have something even quicker than now. That the beggars themselves, they desired to encounter this blind beggar once again. Tekef umiyad, as the Lubavitcher Rebbe Stusia used to say about Mashiach. Tekef umiyad mamish. It's not enough to believe that Mashiach is soon. It needs to be now, immediately, without any duration, without any need to wait any longer. And Rabbi Nachman says, Tekef umiyad, immediately, within their desire for that blind beggar to return. Meaning to say that the typical way we understand things is that I desire something and I yearn for something and I express my yearning. And because of the expression of my yearning and my desire, Sometimes the thing that I desire, the thing that I yearn for, will happen, and it will arrive. 
as if there's a cause, which was my desire and my yearning, and an effect, which is separate and apart and removed from the cause, which is the arrival of that which I've been desiring. But Rabbi Nachman is saying here, in telling the story over to Rabbi Nassim, in, 19, in 1809, before his Petira, before the Histalkus of this Tzaddik, he uses the Lashon of Betoich Shehayu Mitka'agim, within the desire itself, as they were desiring, before their desire was even fully expressed, immediately the blind beggar arrives and he says, Hineni, here I am. I'm here. I've been here all along. Those first seeds of hope, those first seeds of promise of salvation that you experienced in the depths of the forest at night have been there all along. Your joy that you're experiencing right now, buried in the pit, in the mud, experienced the chasana. That's not separate and apart from the initial birth of hope that you experienced in the heart of darkness as you were lost. But rather, it's the same exact experience. I've been here all along, hineni. So that the ga'agua itself, the desire itself, the yearning itself for salvation, is in and of itself a taste of the salvation itself. That as we stand yearning and desiring and wondering when we will find ourselves taken out of the darkness of the lost forest, of where will our bread come from in each and every one of our particular levels, immediately within that desire, within that questioning, within that ga'agua, that doubled experience of yearning and then yearning more, even though our yearning has not yielded any results, we continue to yearn, that yearning itself is a taste of the ge'ula, to the point that the blind beggar says, Hineni, here I am. I've always been here. I haven't left you for a second. I've been there with you side by side every step of the way. But now... I'm not only offering you the blessing of being as old as I am, but I'm giving you the gift of being as old as I am. And the blind beggar continues and he says, you think I'm blind? You think I can't see? I can see very well. I can see better than anybody else. But the visions of this world, the noise of this world, the frightening images of this world, the overwhelming visage that this world confounds us with, that which is present in front of the world's eyes, none of it means anything to me. All of it is meaningless to me. None of it even amounts to the blink of an eye. And so it appears that he's blind. It appears that he's blind to the suffering of the world, to the brokenness of the world, to the distortion of the world, to the concealment of the world. But in truth, this beggar who appears to be blind is in truth seeing things so deeply, seeing things beyond their image, beyond the way they appear, so that nothing that happens in this world is meaningful enough to be taken too seriously. Now, 
I think it's important to state that at least my humble interpretation of this blind beggar, it's not that it's a refusal to look at the world. It's not chas v'shalom that it's a willingness to ignore the world as if ignorance is bliss. It's not some transcendent act that sees a world of supernal clarity beyond the broken reality of this world, but rather it's a vision that sees everything that makes up this world, that sees the fiery embers that comprise this worldliness, that sees the suffering and the destruction and the disheartening ship, that sees it all, but nevertheless he sees further than it. The blind beggar looks and penetrates to the depth of the matter to see that in the heart of everything there exists a light that is so great that will eventually undo all of the darkness of this world. Deliberate blindness is not what the blind beggar is trying to teach us, but rather it's a vision that penetrates so deeply into the very fabric that comprises our world that it tells us that even though what you see is broken, even though what you see is duality and disparity and confusion, nevertheless, al tomru mayim don't say there's two forms of water, but rather there's a unity at the heart of dispersion. And there's a promise of truth in the heart of falsehood. And there's a promise of comfort in the heart of distraction. And this blind beggar says, you should be as old as I am. Because even though I am incredibly old, even though I have seen everything there is to see, and the wrinkles on my face are very present, those wrinkles that emerge when confronting the brokenness of this world, even though I appear to be incredibly old, incredibly aware of how terrible things can seem, Nevertheless, I am incredibly young at the same time. Nevertheless, it is as if I have not even begun to live. But don't let my youthful innocence confuse you. I am still very old. I have still seen everything there is to see. But I am old and young at the same time. I have gazed at that which needs to be gazed at. I have seen the framework of this world. I have seen the lost children in the forest. I have seen the Bahala. I have seen the descent away from Malchus. I have seen all the reasons for Yeyush. But nevertheless, I still maintain my existence as if I am very, very young. That youthful innocence, that youthful tamimus that says everything is okay. And how do I know? How do I know that I am very old even though I am very young at the same time? I'll tell you a story about it. And this is the story that the great eagle told over to the blind beggar, which gives birth to the blessing that the blind beggar is trying to give over to the children. One time there were people traveling on many ships of the sea. A storm wind came and broke the ships, shattered them, but the sailors and the people were saved. The people that were on the ship came to a tower. They went up the tower, and what they found in the tower were all kinds of food and drinks and clothing and whatever they needed. 
Everything that was good was there. All of the delights in the world were there. And each of these sailors spoke up and said to each one another, we should tell a story. What do you remember from your first memory? What is it that you remember? That is, what do you remember from the moment that memory begins? And there were old and young individuals amongst them. And they honored the oldest individual, the elder, the Zakain, to tell the first story. And these shipwrecked sailors, the oldest amongst them, begins as follows. He answered and he says, what shall I tell you? I remember back when they cut the apple off the branch. No one knew at all what he was talking about. But all of the wise men there said, wow, that's an incredibly old story. That's incredibly old. And then they came to the next Zakain, the second to oldest amongst them, who was younger than the first, that he should now tell his story. And he says, you think that's an old story? You think remembering when the apple was cut from the branch is an old story? I remember that story. But I also remember back even when the candle was still burning. And those who were there replied, and he says, wow, that's an even older story than the first story. And it was a wonder to them that the second younger person appeared to remember an even older story. And then they honored the third to oldest there that he should tell the story. And the third one of the shipwrecked individuals who was even younger than the previous two spoke up and he said, I remember back even when the construction of the fruit was just beginning, when the fruit was just starting to become a fruit. And they all answered and they said, wow, that's an even older story. And then the fourth one spoke up who was even younger than the other three. And he said, I remember back even when they were bringing the seed so that they could plant the fruit. And then the fifth one said, and he was even younger, he said, I recall even the sages and the wise ones and the thoughts that thought up and brought out the seed. And the sixth one, who was even younger, but he remembered even further back, said, I remember even the taste of the fruit before the taste entered into the fruit. And then the seventh one announced, I recall even the smell of the fruit before the smell entered the fruit. And the eighth one answered, I remember even the appearance of the fruit before it went into the fruit. And I, says the blind beggar, at that time I was just an infant. At that time I was very, very young. I was the youngest amongst all of them. And I too was there and I announced, I remember all of these stories. I remember when they cut the fruit. I remember when the candle was burning. I remember when they thought up the fruit. I remember when they brought the seed for the fruit to be planted. I remember the image of the fruit and the smell of the fruit and the taste of the fruit prior to its entrance into the fruit. But I also remember absolutely nothing. And in Yiddish, as Rabbi Nachman originally told it, Un ich gedenkt gornisht. I remember gornisht. I remember absolutely nothing. I remember loiklum. I remember nothing. And all of the people sitting there replied together, 
This story is completely older than anything we could have ever imagined. And it was a great wonder to them that the youngest child amongst them would remember more than any of them. That the youngest should remember that which took place earliest. In the midst of all of their conversations, the great eagle knocked on the tower and he said to them, Cease from being poor. Stop living in your impoverishment. Return to your otsos, return to your treasures, and use your treasures, utilize your treasures. And he said to them and all of us that we should leave the tower age by age. And whoever was oldest should go out first. And then he then removed them from the tower. And the infant, the blind beggar, the youngest one who remembered more than anybody, who remembered nothing, was taken out first. That even though he appeared to be the youngest, in truth he was the oldest. And the most aged elder was in truth the youngest one. The great eagle replied to them. The great eagle said to them, I'm going to explain to you all the stories that everybody told. The one who said that he remembers when the apple was cut from the branch, he remembers even when they cut his navel away from his mother. The thing that took place immediately when he was born. The second one who said that he remembered when the candle was still burning means that he remembers back even when he was in utero, when the candle burns above one head, as Chazalev taught us, that the child learns all of the Torah in the womb. And the individual who said that he remembers even back when the fruit began to form, he remembers back even when the body was beginning to take shape, when the fetus was only beginning to take form. And the one who remembers back when they were bringing the seed to plant the fruit, remembers back even when the droplet was being drawn down. And the one who remembers the bringing of the seed to create the fruit, he remembers when the seed was still in the brain. And the one who remembered the taste of the fruit, remembered even before the nefesh came into the soul. And the one who remembered the smell, remembered even the ruach. And the one who remembered the appearance, remembered even the emergence of the soul. But the young child, the blind beggar, who said that he remembers absolutely nothing, he is greater than them all, because he remembers even that which was prior to anything, for he remembers absolute nothingness. And the great eagle said to these shipwrecked individuals, return to your ships, return to your bodies, which have been broken and are now rebuilt, and return to them. And he blessed them. But to me, says the blind beggar, the great eagle said, you, you come with me, for you are very much like me, because you are very old, but you are incredibly young at the same time. And you haven't even begun to live your life yet, but nonetheless, you are incredibly old. And you are just like me, says the great eagle, for I am very old and I am still entirely young. And therefore the blind beggar ends and he says, so here I have testimony for you from the great eagle that even though I am incredibly old, I am still incredibly young. And now, says the blind beggar, I present this gift, my old age to you, I give it to you as a gift. 
that you should be as old as I am. And there was a great celebration with great jubilation and everybody in the pit was extremely happy. What could it possibly mean for us to begin to try and understand the blessing of the blind beggar? To be so aware of the world, to see the world so deeply, so that it reaches the point that the entirety of the world is as if it's absolutely nothing. To look at the world, to open one's eyes and to see what takes place around them. To see the brokenness, to see the lost sense of things, to see the impoverishment, to see the destitution, but to see even deeper than the way things look, to see the true vision, to realize that at the heart of all of it, at the heart of all things there exists a promise, a gift of comfort. That even though everything appears to be overtaken by the thicket and the overgrowth of the forest that forces a person into darkness and concealment of the mind, nevertheless there is a growth, a movement forwards, a promise of hope. So that when looking at the world and all of its brokenness and all of the suffering and all of the things that are difficult to look at, The blind beggar is still very much aware that none of this means anything to me. It's not even like the blink of an eye. Time doesn't mean what it means to me, what it means to you. The way I perceive the transition of things and the duration of things is unlike what other people experience. How could it be? How could it be that a person looks at the world How could it be that a person has open eyes? But as Rabbi Nachman tells us so often in the name of the Zohar, learns how to see by occluding and blinding themselves from Chazya Daher Alma. That by seeing the world so deeply, we also blind ourselves from the false vision of this world. How could it be that a person can have their eyes open to see the suffering of the beggars? to see that which is lost, yet nevertheless feel that everything is okay? It's because that in spite of being very old, in spite of being burdened by all of the things that exist, all of the pain and bewilderment and confusion, nevertheless, I am still incredibly young. I haven't even begun to live my life yet. The secret of being able to look at a world that appears to be on fire and to not see anything at all, to not see any problems, is to live with the mindset that I haven't even begun to live yet. That as Rabbi Nassim in his Lukutei Alachos describing this story says, Rabbi Nachman would announce all the time that I know everything there is to know. And then the next moment he would say, I know absolutely nothing at all. That even though we see what we see and we conceive of what we conceive and we think about what we think about, 
Nevertheless, we come to a realization that we haven't even begun yet. And every moment, every experience, every nikuda of engaging with Hashem, of engaging with our minds in this world, when it reaches the limit of old age, when it reaches the limit of what it can contain and what it can tolerate, instead of becoming older and older and older and sabrachin and broken and hopeless, the job is to renew ourselves as if we haven't even begun to live yet. That even though I am very old, I am still very young. That even though my rationality and all of my thinking tells me that I know exactly how things will go, tells me exactly how things have gone and therefore how things will go, nevertheless, I need to suspend my rationality and live within a space of not knowing. That infantile space of childish faith and tamimus, which says that even though all signs point to negativity, Nevertheless, I can renew myself and say that achshav I am starting. At this moment, I am beginning anew. At this moment, I am choosing to see the world with new eyes. At this moment, I am renewing my vision. All of the past and all of the present and all of the future is meaningless to me because I am just born at this moment. Even though my thoughts are so broken and sabrachin and overwhelming in the previous moment, at this moment, daika right now, I can look at the world and I can say, even though my previous vision has given me the wrinkles of old age, has given me that overwhelming sense of impending doom and death and destruction and darkness and blindness. Nevertheless, at this moment, I could be mitchadesh myself and I can say that the past is nothing and the future is nothing and all that exists is the present moment. All that exists is how I choose to look at the world now, achshav, be'esazos, at this moment, hayom im bekolo tishma'u, today, you want to know the secret of being very, very old, but at the same point maintaining youthfulness and tamimus, of being so blind because I've seen so much, but at the same point having such a clear vision that I don't look at anything that exists in this world, it's by promising myself to renew myself at every moment, not allowing the images of this world, the chazya, the alma the confounding and terrifying images of this world, by not allowing them to take away from me my ability to be mitchadesh myself, to renew myself, to be the youngest and the oldest at the same time, to remember nothing, to acknowledge that all of my knowledge and my rationality, which dictates the way I look at things and how I assume that the past is what will be in the future, to make myself like nothing, like an infant who knows absolutely nothing. To say to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I don't know, I know absolutely nothing. The past has nothing to do with the present. And the present has nothing to do with the future. You alone, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, have the ability to be mitchadesh things. That is the old age 
of the blind beggar. To be so old, to have seen so much and so deeply, to reach the level where I recognize that nothing I see is true. And the only truth is that Al-Kaddish Baruch Hu is the one who changes things. And that, the blind beggar says, is the gift that I'm giving to you now. That as you encounter joy in the place of sadness, as you encounter yichud and celebration in the space of destitution and impoverishment buried in the mud, it's specifically now that I'm giving you the gift of renewing your vision at every moment, to see the world afresh, to begin a thousand times a day like Rabbi Nachman said he did. I begin again every moment. Every moment says lose hope, and every next moment says there's no such thing as losing hope. And even though that promise of never losing hope falls away in the face of hopelessness, nevertheless, in the next moment, I can say, the past doesn't exist. That which was, was. That which will be, will be. The moment right now is a moment of his chadshus. Abba tizakeno tilakabel tadlikli atanishama, as Rabbi Nachman said. Hashem, let me forget the past and forget the future and give me the ability to renew myself in this present moment. To see so much, to see so far into the future that nothing emerges in my eyes so that it looks like I'm blind. You think I'm blind? You think I can't see what's going on in the world? No, no, no. The blind beggar that Sadiq says, no, 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 I know very well what's going on. I know very well what it all looks like. But nevertheless, I see even deeper than that. I see the promise of his chadshus. I see the possibility of being very old, but at the same point, being very young, of remembering absolutely nothing of no longer basing my knowledge of this present moment on my past rationality, but rather throwing myself into the amuna and the hischadshus of this present moment to force hope into my life, to force faith into my life. That is the gift that the blind beggar offers to these lost beggars, to these children who are getting married in the pit, covered in dust and dirt and garbage. Bezrash Hashem, in a few days, on Wednesday night, Amir Tzashem, we're going to encounter the second beggar, who again comes to the chasana, the deaf beggar. The one who tells us that, oh, you thought I was deaf. You thought I couldn't hear anything. I'm not deaf at all. I hear everything there is to hear. Except that every noise and every sound that emerges in my ears in this world are sounds that emerge from lack and destitution. And I have no patience for such voices the deaf beggar who's only willing to hear the good news in the world. And Bezos Hashem, next week we'll see the gift that the deaf beggar offers to the lost children who are being married in the pit, covered in the mud.